once again, you know what time it is. It's time for that Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs and exclusive home of the Chicago Cubs checking. You can open online today at wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. You can also check us out visually on the Marquee Sports Network app. And that's all you have to do is go and check it out. Along with, my, with me today, it's our, our guy, Tony Andraki and Taylor McGregor. They're all rolling, we rolling. The three-person weave today because we're getting after it because yesterday's double dip at the federal landmark. I mean, Taylor, I'll start with you. You you were right there in the thick of things. How unbelievable. Not only was the David Bodie walk-off, but how about that Javi Baez tank when he was the last bullet in the chamber? I mean, they were down two outs and it was on his shoulders. I know we've talked about this so much, Cole, but the electricity with the fans back, albeit 25%, it was so cool to feel that the electricity from the fans uh, the back and forth between the Dodgers and the Cubs in those late innings it was it was so much fun to see and then of course the Javi Baez homer that was a big one the uh the dugout went crazy and then David Bodie doing what David Bodie does it was it was special to feel that energy from the fans and then the dugout as well it was it was cool and then of course we've talked about against Kershaw and Bauer I think it gives this team a little bit of momentum. They don't want to express that momentum is a big part of this game, but it's important for them, I think, to gain confidence moving forward. And Tony, what do you think, man? I mean, this is only the seventh time that a pair of Cy Young Award winners have been beaten in a doubleheader. And for the Cubs to go out there and do it like they did to get to Clayton Kershaw in the first inning, I mean, him giving up four runs, that's only the second time in his career he's given up four or more runs in the first inning. And then to go back in the second game and go ahead and get Trevor Bauer like they did. And I mean, the, the dude was pounding his chest. I mean, that he was still down one to nothing, but for some reason he thought he was leading out there. And then next thing you know, he gets the hook. He, sp- he spit the hook when it came to getting that loss over there. But he, either way, it's, you have to be excited about what you saw yesterday. Yeah. I think when you look at big picture, the fact that the Cubs came into the day, they had all these roster moves and injuries, you know, three guys hit the injured list. Three more guys came up. Ildemaro Vargas just got added to the roster a few hours before the doubleheader. Wound up, wound up starting both games of the doubleheader. Like you mentioned, they're, they're playing two uh, – they're facing two former Cy Young winners, including the guy who won last year. And then, yeah, they, they win both games. It's the reigning world champs. Uh, Kershaw, shortest start of his career. There were, like, a lot of these really interesting, fun kind of storylines. And, you know, the, the second game with – Kimbrell blowing the save, giving up his first earned run in, in a little over two months of, of game action. Uh, it was it was weird. Like, Taylor, I'm curious, like your vibe when you were down there, too. Like, to me, when I was up sitting in the press box, it just felt like the Cubs weren't losing. Like, even when they got down 3-1, there was just this, like, vibe. And, and Scott Shagnon, our producer, had this awesome photo of the guys in the dugout, even when they were down 3-1, and Rizzo and Napoli were, like, smiling and laughing and stuff. But it just – it was a weird – not weird. Like it was just a little bit different. They just didn't feel like they were ever going to lose that second game to me. I you know, completely agree. And I, I think yeah. you heard David Ross talk about it last night. He said, this is when people start to realize the character of this team, where even in you're in the, the end of the last inning, the seventh inning and your uh, closer gives up a home run to tie the game. You go into extras, you lose the lead it still felt like they were going to come back. But I think last night it wasn't the only example. I mean, you can go back to even some of the losses against Cincinnati or a loss, the first loss to the Braves. And even though they did end up losing those games, there was still that confidence of, hey, we're still in this. And you've heard players, David Ross, talk about it as well. Like 
they're proud of the way that they continually battle and they continually give themselves a chance to win. And it's certainly fun to see when it, it when it pays off for them like it did uh, on Tuesday night. All right, guys, Tony, I don't know about you, man, but I saw Kyle Hendricks go out there and, you know, he was able to get back on that horse. He, he was he was pitching the contact. We saw him get strike calls that we didn't see him get the last few times he was out there. And for him to go out there and really just regain that confidence, that's exactly what you want to see, especially out of that guy who right now is still the number one of the Cubs staff. Yeah, it was huge. It was something that uh, they were talking about, like Taylor just mentioned, in Cincinnati, the, the, the offense has been able to come back. And the offense has actually done really well for the last couple of weeks. But it's the starting pitching that has kind of let the team down a little bit. And it's something that Ross has said they really need to get going. Trevor Williams, after his start on Sunday, said, we just need one guy to take the ball and start us down that path. Hendricks did that. He was the stopper. He was the ace. He was everything you want him to be. He beat Kershaw again at Wrigley Field, which is, you know, shades of, of 2016 NLCS. And, and yeah, he was just a lot better. And I, I just, I thought it was kind of funny, like in classic uh, Hendricks fashion, at the end of, after the game, he was talking on Zoom and he was like, yeah, I'm, I'm nowhere near where I need to be. Like, I still have a lot of room I want to go with my mechanics and I have a lot that I need to wor get worked out. And it was like, dude, you just gave up one run in a complete game, seven innings against the, this Dodgers lineup. Like, seemed like you're pretty locked in. Like, I know that it is one start. He still has more room and, and consistency he wants to carry over. But there's just a huge sign overall, I think, for this Cubs team to get a start like that. Yeah. Taylor, what about the offense, though? I mean, you, you know, we talked about David Bodie and, and how 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 good he's been in big time situations. I mean, it, as clutch as it gets. But just to see that game one for them to jump on Clayton Kershaw like that four runs in the first. I mean, when you have a huge pad like that right off the top, that gives a team a lot of confidence. And that's pretty much what we saw all day from start to finish yesterday. A confident team up there in the batter's box. And even in game two, when the, when the hits weren't really coming like that. They still had that confidence, like you know, like Tony was saying, like Scott had a picture of that team that was still up, ready, ready to win a ball game and getting after it. Yeah, we talk so much about hitting being contagious. Well, what we've heard some of the guys talk about is it's contagious in the way that you take your at-bat. Going up there, having a professional at-bat, and even if you don't get on base and you maybe get out, that still impacts the next guy up. And it sets the tone against that pitcher. And so I think that's what we're seeing out of this Chicago Cubs lineup is everybody's bought in and everybody is kind of feeding off the quote unquote energy or whatever it is that makes it contagious. And I think you saw that from, from the top of the lineup all the way down to the bottom from, you know, Wilson Contreras leading off to the bottom half of the lineup and, and David Bodie collecting the walk-off single and that is what you need out of a team that's going to be successful down the stretch is you have to have everybody in the guy in the lineup contribute and I think a lot of that goes back to what we said hitting being contagious kind of feeding off of each other and having those professional at-bats yeah and Taylor you know when it comes to contributors you know the one thing that, that Tony touched on was a lot of guys headed to the IL and that was a tough punch right there we saw Jake Arrieta Nico Horner Dan Winkler and, you know, when you talk about hitting being contagious, Nico Horner, I mean, what, what else does he have to do right now? I mean, that guy is out there as good as it gets. We've seen him day in and day out. He seems to be an extra base hit machine. Everything that he's bringing to the table. I know David Ross, he loves him as a ball player. He just says flat out, he's just a good baseball player. So when you look at some of these injuries, I mean, can this Cubs offense, can, can they string things together with, you know, some of the bumps and bruises and even the pitching staff with Jake Arrieta right now, because, you know, you can usually count on him every fifth day to go out there and give you a quality start. Well, I think last night was a great sign, right? I mean, you have Ildemaro Vargas who gets called up, starts both games. You have who, David Who had Bode. two different pairs of shoes too. Oh, by the way. 
Ildemar Vargas. <laughs> Only you would notice that. Um, I mean, we talk so much about Jake Marizic, Matt Duffy, Eric Sogard, guys who are coming off of the bench. And they're contributing. And not only are they contributing, they're really setting the tone. I mean, Matt Duffy with his quality at-bats, getting on base, allowing the guys behind him to drive him in, or vice versa, he gets up with runners on and he just doesn't try to do too much, and he's able to move the bags. I think Eric Sogard is a perfect example of just being professional in the clubhouse. I was talking with Cubs hitting coach or assistant hitting coach Chris Valeka, and he was saying how the guys just draw to Sogard because he has a, such a professionalism about himself and he's able to influence the young guys in the dugout who aren't starting but are getting ready for that pinch hit situation. He's kind of coaching them up. Here's what to look for. Do this, do that. Um, and I think all of those pieces are so important to helping move this team along when there are injuries and you have to call upon guys who weren't really expected to be called upon, especially this early on in the season. Absolutely. And when you have guys that when they're called upon, they can answer the bell. That makes things just that much easier, especially when it comes to team cohesiveness. And Tony, you know, when it comes to some of these injuries, you know, when you see a guy like Ildemaro Vargas, when you see him come through and then and other players like like a David Bodie, who, you know, who's been in that starting role off the top of the season. But, you know, things have gone back and forth. And then a cat like Eric Sogard can chip in. You know, sometimes, you know, you're, you're only as good as your weakest link. And right now, this Cubs team, they don't have a whole bunch of weak links, so it, it looks as if the trajectory is on the up and up. Yeah, it, it really is. And, and to Taylor's point, too, about like a guy like Duffy, he, in a weird way, carried the offense for a little while. You know, I, I know they got shut out a couple of times in Atlanta last week, but he was there hitting th third, you know, drawing walks, not chasing, not swinging and miss. He had this crazy, I think it was 19 or 20 plate appearances where he didn't swing and miss at all, like even once. And so that he and Sogard, they do provide that different element, that contact bat where, you know, they can, they can catch up to a 97, 98 mile an hour at the top of the zone or know, you know, when not to bite at a slider away. And, and Duffy too, for in this double header, he had never played left field or outfield at all in the big leagues. He'd only played two games in left in his minor league career. And there he was playing left field, starting the game off, had a big hit against Kershaw, even before the game, it, you know, when it was misting out, he was out there with Cubs hitting coach or outfield coach, rather Willie Harris, just taking fly balls, trying to figure out the wall and the wind in left field. So to be able to do something like that too, that he's never done in his professional career, these are, these do have huge trickle down effects on this roster. And, and like you said, Cole, they're, they're really, there isn't a weak link right now in the sense that they can, they're using all 26 guys in the roster. They knew mm -hmm. that they would need to now, especially because of all these injuries. And, and that's why they took these veteran guys. That's why they wanted the Duffies. They wanted to, to sign Sogard in the middle of spring training is for moments like this. Yeah. Taylor, I don't know about you, but you know, the way that guys like Jake Riznick and Eric Sogard and Matt Duffy and Ildemar Vargas, even for that matter, the way these guys, they get after it, they just pretty much play station-to-station -station baseball. They're not trying to swing for the fences, even though Jake Marisnik has reached over the fence a time or two. But when you look at <sighs> what they just bring, that this is solid at-bats, the quality, quiet swings, and getting on base. I mean, they're, they're drawing walks, and they're even stealing bases. And, you know, they're going from first to third, and, and that's one thing that you really want, the aggressiveness on the base pads. And, you know, all the four guys that I just mentioned that you all talked about, that's what they're doing for David Ross. They're providing a different skill set. I mean, we can talk about Jake Marisnik, his speed. Uh, that's a huge, huge aspect of the Cubs to be able to go first to third, to be able to steal a bag and kind of set a tone. Eric Sogard and Matt Duffy, just guys who don't punch out a lot. They don't swing and miss a lot. 
They can put the barrel on the baseball and not try to do too much. That's important because you don't want to take away from the guys who hit a lot of homers and who have a lot of powers. And on the flip side, they might strike out a lot. Like you still want that aspect, but it's nice to be able to see different skill sets mixed in there. And I think we're seeing in this offense, a lot of guys complementing each other really well. Uh, and it's fun to see. Yeah, it is. And it was really fun to watch that knockoff, that walk-off knock by David, uh, David Bodie last night. And, you know, just to see that guy come through, Tony, it was, it was a nice level swing. And that's what we saw in, in the first game with that bases clearing double, a nice level swing. I mean, it, when, when, when you, you put a level swing on a ball, sometimes some good things will happen. And a lot of times, if you put enough charge into it, that, that's what's going to carry the ball over the fence. And I feel like David Bodie has his best at bats when he just tries to get the bat head on the ball and just try to barrel things up as opposed to say, hey, you know what, let's just lean back and, and try to put one in, in the seats because like we saw, some of his best at bats of the whole season that came yesterday in big time situations. Yeah, they did. Those were two huge hits. And I, I think he actually thought the one off Kershaw, it just based off his reaction, it looked like he thought it might go into the seats. Uh, but yeah, either way, it was a good swing. And, and he even joked after the, the game two walk off knock that he was like, that was a terrible at bat for the first three pitches. He was like, everybody knew that, you know, it was going to be fastball high and then, you know, go with like slider to get him to chase. And that's exactly what happened. And he was like mad at himself. But for him to be able to refocus, to, to fall off a couple of pitches, to lay off a couple of pitches, get something that he could drive and put over Mookie Bat's head in right field. I think that speaks to the to Bodie's ability to calm things down and quiet things down in those clutch moments because we've seen him do this. We saw him do that last year. I th Cole, you've you've talked you've called him Mr. Clutch before, and he is. I mean, he led the team in RBI last year despite not really playing every day, and and he seems to come through a lot in those moments. We all know that ultimate grand slam and and some of the other big things that he has done, walk off hits or game tying hits, and it just seems like he's there in that moment a lot. And he is able to, to calm down and refocus, even if the beginning of the at-bat doesn't really go the way that he or the Cubs wanted to. Yeah. Taylor, what do you say? Is, is David Bodie the most clutch Cub of all time? <laughs> I liked what he had to say post-game. He just said, I've dreamt for so long about these moments. Because we have asked him basically every which way, you know, how are you so productive in these moments? Like, you live for them. And, and last night, I thought he put it great. He said, look, I've dreamed about these. I grew up a baseball player. I wanted to be in these moments. And he said, everybody does, or we really wouldn't be here. But it's cool for him to kind of visualize himself as a young kid thinking about being in that moment and then, and then coming through. And I think, you know, that hard hit contact is so valuable off the bench because it puts fear into the pitchers. Like you, you know, you're not going to get a soft grounder through the middle. If David Bodie gets a hold of one, like he's going to drive the ball. Um, and so I think it provides a, a great skill set and, and whatever he's doing in those moments, just keep on keeping on because it's been fun to watch Mr. Clutch. Absolutely. David Bodie, he has been as good as it gets, especially when his bell is answered. He's over there and he gets after. This is one thing that we do know about this dude is that uh, he has ice water in his veins. Like you said, he, he's dreamt of those moments before. And when he when he's actually able to materialize those. I mean, it's good news for Cubs fans and it's good news for everybody else because obviously we would much rather talked about a win yesterday as opposed to a, a loss, especially after the way things went down with those those two late home runs. And uh, yeah, and, uh, thank you, David Bodie, because you made the postgame show just that much better on a Tuesday night. Now, there's more to come right here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast. But first things first, let's step aside for just a second because Wintrust, yeah, they're our sponsor and they have a thing to tell you. 
At Wintrust, we know true fans show their team pride every chance they get. With Cubs checking, you'll score a Cubs debit card so you can show your support every time you pay. Open today at Wintrust.com slash Cubs Weekly. $100 required to open. Member FDIC. Hey, back here on the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust, proud legacy partner of the Chicago Cubs. And uh, we just talked about that big time win in the doubleheader over the Dodgers on Tuesday. But, you know, one thing we didn't touch on, Taylor, was Chris Bryant. I mean, Chris Bryant right now, uh, how good is this dude? I mean, he already has by far surpassed his extra base hit total from a season ago. But right now, I mean, the tear he's on, you know, you heard the chance last night at Wrigley Field. I mean, MVP, they were echoing all throughout Wrigleyville. I could almost hear him here in the Marquee Sports Network studios. They were so loud. But he is. He's had an MVP level once again. And, you know, that's a thing that we talked about, you know, at the beginning of the season before things got underway. Chris Bryant, when he's healthy, he's one of the best in all of baseball. Absolutely. Anthony Rizzo said it best. He said, I think Chris Bryant's an underrated baseball player. He said, there, I said it. He said he won the rookie of the year. He won the MVP. So all of a sudden the expectations are through the roof. And then he had a higher OPS the following season. And then of course he's dealt with injuries, but when Chris Bryant is healthy, there is no doubt. He's one of the best players in the game. And, you know, he might've gone a few years without doing a lot of the shiny stuff. And so some of these new guys who come in, they do shiny stuff and they, maybe they're considered kind of above him, but he's been steady and he's been a really solid presence in the Cubs clubhouse this year. And their offense, uh, Anthony Rizzo also talked about, he, he just sets the tone. And when Chris Bryan is going well, it makes everybody else go well as well. So it's been so much fun to see. And I just think it's Chris Bryant being Chris Bryant. Uh, we can't forget that this is still the same guy who won all of those awards early on in his career. And he's been a really good baseball player for the Cubs. Absolutely. And Tony, when you look at what Chris Bryant's been able to do over the last few weeks and basically over the, you know, the whole first month of the season, I mean, when, when he's healthy, like we said, there's not too many players that are better than Chris Bryant in all of baseball and everyone right now that's getting a chance to watch him and this resurgence, it's pretty special to watch. Yeah, it is. I think he finished April 2nd or 3rd in, in war in the National League. So, yeah, he's right back, you know, the kind of quiet in terms of like what Taylor is referencing, quiet and underrated, I think, nationally. But here in Chicago, I do think fans know and what he is, what he's capable of when he's healthy. And we just didn't see him healthy last year. It was a couple of weeks into the season that he had that wrist issue. And uh, I think it was Cleveland when he dove in the outfield. And but yeah, he, he like you said, Cole, he already has surpassed extra base hits, you know, doubles, homers, RBI, just everything across the board based off of his numbers last year in roughly the same amount of games so far right now. So but but yeah, like, you know, if the season ended today, he would be right there in the MVP conversation with Ronald Acuna Jr. I know the season's not ending today, but, you know, it's still fun to talk about here on a podcast in early May. And I, I just think he's he's the guy that he started it against Kershaw. He got the offense going and and you just see the guy that is playing really free right now. He said last year that he thought being a dad could actually help lend a, a different perspective for him. It, it could help realize that when he does struggle or have a bad day that he can just go home and know like, hey, most important thing in my life is being a dad and, and being a good family man and and it didn't really work out, like we said, because of health last year. But I think we're seeing that, that different perspective. And he just does seem so much more free up there. And even if he'll have, you know, a, a tough game with a couple of strikeouts, he rebounds the next day. And 
He's also swinging so early in the count in Cincinnati. He ambushed Tyler Maley a couple times, you know, on the first pitch. And I think that's it too. He's, he's aggressive. He knows the strike zone. So he's still taking his walks, but he's jumping on his first pitch and he's not following him back and he's not swinging through him and missing him. Like he has maybe done in the past. He's right on everything right now when he decides to swing. Yeah. And Tony, I want to follow up really quick on Tony's point. I think when I talk about setting the tone, Chris Bryant swinging at the first pitch more than ever before um, with, with minus his MVP and rookie of the year season, it's the most he's been swinging at the first pitch. So we're seeing him be aggressive. Well, that's the thing that the Cubs offense as a whole is trying to do is being aggressive. So like I mentioned with Chris Bryant setting the tone, I think that's a huge part of what we've seen out of the offense too, being really aggressive. And when they have been, it's worked out for them. Yeah, that aggressiveness, it's spilled over into the rotation because we saw the youngster, Keegan Thompson, was out there yesterday in game two. And, and Tony, he plain and simple just got after it. I mean, this, this is a young dude who was going up against the defending world champions. He had uh, a Cy Young award winner on the other side on the mound in, in Trevor Bauer. But what did he do? Got himself into a little bit of a jam off the top, wiggled his way out of it. And we, we saw his work. I mean, he's got to be pretty proud of himself. And I know a lot of Cubs fans are as well. Yeah, for sure. I, it, it was kind of a surprise start. He he pitched, made his big league debut in Cincinnati Sunday, sent back down early Monday, game gets rained out, all these injuries happen. And then it's like, bam, hey, kid, you're starting game two of the doubleheader against yeah. uh, Trevor Bauer and the Dodgers and all of this stuff. And he just went out and he, he said he was really feeling the anxiety and, and everything that having trouble controlling his emotions didn't look like it. It looked like he was calm, cool, and collected out there. And, you know, he, he got into a double play speaking of Bodie, a really nice play in the first inning there, but, but yeah, you know, Thompson didn't get a ton of strikeouts. He, he is pitching to contact quite a bit, but I, I think it's, it's interesting because this is a guy that, that looks like maybe he can be a part of the future rotation and a guy that, you know, another young guy who has had a long road and has had some injuries in his past, but coming up through, you know, working at the alternate site in the minor leagues, whatever he could do last year, getting to this point where he just went out and attacked hitters. And I think that was the biggest thing. Like there was, there was a moment, I think it was in the bottom of the second inning where he actually was coming up with a runner on second to hit. And I'm like, Oh, Ross is going to pinch it for him. Maybe go to Alec Mills or something. No, he didn't. And then he ends up, you know, pitching the three and two thirds uh, shutout innings shows what I know, but I, I think, you know, Thompson really went out there and pressed Ross and, the Cubs in general with his start. Yeah. And another guy who was pretty impressive, Taylor was Justin Steele. I mean, he went out there we saw he, he let out that em- emphatic scream at the end when he got that punch out and, and for him to come in like that and, and nail things down. I mean, I, I know we saw Trevor Bauer, he was over there screaming when, when there was a deficit, I mean, his team's down one to nothing, but Justin Steele, I mean, his show of emotion. I mean, it, it wasn't at an Amir Garrett type level, but he was out there and, and he was getting after it. And, and that's the one thing you always want to see these young dudes go out there and once again, just build more confidence. Well, he celebrated towards the Cubs dugout, not the opposing team. Exactly, so what he exactly. did, that's the way you should do it. And you know what? It was warranted. He just went through the heart of that Dodgers lineup, which we know they just won the world series last year. And so for him to come in, in that moment, needing to get a shutout performance and to be able to provide for his team, I was all for those emotions. It's been so great to see when you talk with hitters who faced him in live BP on the Cubs, they said, this guy's stuff is electric. And it's been so cool for them to see him come up. He's a rookie and be able to put up the, the show that he has 
they've been so impressed by him. And of course, Keegan Thompson and him came up through the system together. They're good pals. So be able to kind of share that moment yesterday where both of them were a huge part of that Cubs victory in game two is really fun to see. But the only question I have, guys, is Keegan Thompson, a graduate of Auburn, and then Justin Steele's dad went to the University of Alabama, and he's a huge Alabama football fan. So I'm just kind of confused what their friendship is like in the fall. Um, because we all know you can't be friends with the opposing rival. Like Auburn and Alabama don't mix. So you got to pick one. So friends for now, when we get towards the fall, it's going to be a little bit of a different conversation. Well, what, what if Taylor, if, 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 you're, if they were to burst your bubble 100% and be like, yeah, we don't even care about college football. We're just about getting after it. We're, we're, we're putting in more training to try to get better at playing baseball. Like, yeah, who cares? Like that, that would be unbelievable, wouldn't it be? If, if that's, if that's how they really felt. They probably do will, would say something like that. And I would say, look, I'll care for you because I've been down there in SEC country and that is just a sin to mix with the rival and, and not care or at least not have a little bit of trash talk with each other. Like that can't happen. So I'll care for them if they don't care. Yeah, Taylor, you're lucky that you're even on this podcast right now because I'm an LSU <laughs> fan and you're an Arkansas fan. So, yeah, I mean, uh, and you know we're not even supposed to be at the same place at the same time. So that's exactly why we're always at two different locations. No, just kidding. Exactly. Actually, but, uh, yeah, but, uh, you know, we talk about all this young talent here and, and you know, the, these guys that are going and getting after it. You know, uh, on, on Wednesday, Albert Alzali, he's getting the ball. You know, we're recording this right before Wednesday's ball game. And, Tony, for, for Alzali to go out there, you know, one thing that he hung his hat on last time was being able to throw first pitch strikes, if I'm not mistaken, 17 batters saw first pitch strike of the 24 that he faced. So for him to go out there, pound the zone and get ahead of some of these Dodgers hitters, that's going to be a key to him succeeding. Yeah, it is for sure. It just, you know, in general, moving forward, not just against this start against the Dodgers, but we saw in spring training what really helped him earn the spot in the rotation once the regular season came around was the performance against the Dodgers, the nasty stuff and the slider that he showed against, you know, Bellinger and Betts and this Dodgers lineup. That really was what turned heads for Ross and the, and the Cubs coaching staff in front office. But yeah, with, with Elzelay, we, he does need to attack more. He does need to be a bit more efficient, but those are things that he's working on. And he did last time out, he notched his first quality start of his career and, and he's still able to, to show that he can get the swing and miss, even when other guys know it's coming, even when it's clear that there's a slider coming in the, in the count. And the book is out that, hey, this is his bread and butter. This is his out pitch now. But I think it's just this year is going to be so important to see all of these guys, to see Elzelay, to see Steele, to see Keegan Thompson, anybody else, you know, Dylan Maples, these young guys that have come up and been in the Cubs system for a while, to see this come to fruition in Chicago, to see them take roles in the rotation or the bullpen and actually take advantage of that and carve out a role for themselves in the long-term pitching plan. I think that's going to be a huge storyline here for the rest of the season with all these guys. Yeah, and Taylor, before we get out of here, I mean, like I said, we're recording this before Albert Alzali's start in game three versus the Dodgers. Of course, Cubs going for the sweep. I mean, how big is not only this start for Alzali against the Dodgers, but all the rest of his starts the remainder of the season? Because he's that guy right now, especially with Jake Arrieta on the shelf for 10 days. He's that guy that breaks things up a little bit when it comes to that velocity. Yeah, and I think it's really cool for him to develop as a starting pitcher, right? Like, he's got to think about his own development and getting better each and every start. And when we talk about his last start against Atlanta, one of the things that I thought was really interesting and a step forward for him is he claimed he didn't really have – 
the feel of his slider for most of his outing. He was relying on his four-seam and two-seam fastballs. And then in-game, he was kind of able to tinker with it and eventually found it. And he said that was a huge step for me and kind of my confidence because, you know, usually young pitchers, if they don't feel like they have a pitch, then they're not going to throw it because they don't want to make a mistake and then give up a big hit. Um, but what Alzali was kind of able to do was – Find, find times to try to work on it and, and throw it so that the hitter still had to respect it, even if he knew it wasn't the best. And then as the game progressed, he kind of found it. And then eventually towards the back half of his start, it, it was there. And so my point to all of that is his development in that last start was huge because he was able to make that in-game adjustment. And, and we're going to need to continually see things like that from him as he continues to develop into one of – you know, hopefully the future ace of this staff. So I'm excited to see him against this Dodgers team. Again, a really solid offense, even if they're struggling a little bit right now because he dominated them at spring training. And as Tony said, that was one of the big reasons that he earned a spot in this rotation. Without a doubt. And hopefully when we reconvene, we'll be talking all about Albert Alzali and his outing against the Dodgers and that sweep of the Dodgers because, like I said, we're recording this right before Wednesday's game. And boy, this could be that real fork in the road for the season. If, if they win this one, uh, the, talk about the confidence, the wind in their sails, Pittsburgh comes to town, and then who knows what can unfold because right now they're chasing the Milwaukee Brewers and the St. Louis Cardinals in the NL Central. And with that said, that's going to do it for this edition of the Cubs Weekly Podcast presented by Wintrust. And don't forget to download and subscribe to the pod on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and check us out in video formation on the Marquee Sports Network app. So for Taylor McGregor and Tony Andraki, I'm Cole Wright. We'll catch you next time, Cubs fans.